everybody, welcome to this week's episode of Electric Leftovers. Uh, hundred and something. That's right, hundred and something. Who knows? I don't know. Um, let's look. How about... I almost said 56, and I knew that would be wrong, because I've been uploading some of the old episodes. Uh, how about... 126. Yeah, that's like 70 more than last number I said. Yeah, I'm pretty great. I can do math. On the fly. On any really six-legged winged thing, if you'd like. Uh, my name's Jason. This is Electric Leftovers, the show about, um, well, stuff, really. Nothing specific, but stuff in general. Uh, we're going to talk about some video games. Um... Look, I don't know if you guys know this, uh, but the news of the weird, it's confusing, because we thought it was going to be gone, but there's new news today, so I don't know. We'll get to that later. We'll also do a review. Um, what are we going to review? What should we review? What do you think we should review, viewers? I think we should review a game. Um silly me. Went ahead and left the thing before I checked. Uh, what should we review? Let's review oops, pardon me. Golden Axe 2, how about? Which means we're gonna dig into the archives and look at Golden Axe 3. Spoiler alert. It's a lot like the other two games. Except there's like a cat person in it. And a big guy with a terrible hairdo. Uh, what's new over at the website? Well, I'm glad you asked. Since our last show, which would have been, oh, the 8th. Uh, let's see. Some of these might be re-mentions from last time, but it looks like uh, we got some Mega Man X4 from Jade. Some more Wolfenstein Stein from Scarlet, who is without internet right now. So please feel free, visit his channel, visit his page, and spam him horribly. Uh, I think that's a fine idea. And from me, Dragon Quest VI Realms of Revelations has begun. And, uh, I'm working my way through the game. I'm, you know, a good 20-something episodes into it. I think that's enough to get us started. Uh, we've got Among the Sleep and Beyond the Beyond for a couple of soundtracks. And we've got Pod People for our Mystery Science Theater movie of the week. Pretty darn good episode. Please do to be checking it out. Uh, for now, let's listen to some music, um, probably from Golden Axe 3. Uh, well, no probably about it. It's from Golden Axe 3. And uh, after that, we'll talk about Golden Axe 3 a little bit. Yeah.
The once peaceful kingdom so familiar to fans of the original Golden Axe is under threat once again. The Prince of Darkness has stolen the invaluable Golden Axe, taken over the kingdom, and rendered all its warriors harmless thanks to an evil curse. One warrior, however, breaks free from the curse and must defeat the prince and regain the Golden Axe to save the kingdom. In this one, or two-player action game, play as a giant, a panther, or a sword-wielding human and fight your way to victory once again. And it's Golden Axe 3! It's exactly like the first game, except there's a giant and a panther. Ooh. Uh, this one was hard to find. Um, Kinda, kinda tricky to track this one down. And you know what? It wasn't very good. It is the most boring of the three. But Scarlet and I did it. And if you're having trouble sleeping, let me prescribe a little Golden Axe 3. One single dose. It's all you need.
Well, as you know, uh, the game we talked about in the archives and listened to the music to from last week is the game we review this week. And this week, uh, it's going to be Golden Axe 2. And I picked a couple reviews here, one from our good buddy Zylo. And we're going to do this one first, um, because I kind of like the title, and I almost think I can agree with it, so. A lazy sequel, yet also the greatest Golden Axe game, a Golden Axe 2 review by Wandering Hero. Golden Axe 2 has gotten a lot of negative press and often gets middling reviews, and is especially compared with the arcade Golden Axe 2 Death Adder's Revenge, a completely separate game. This surprises me because it sets out achieve what the first game did. Create a fun, stress-relieving, atmospheric fantasy brawler, and it not only does so, but surpasses the original. It is true that as a sequel it does not innovate as much as one hopes, especially compared to the other Golden Axe 2. A lot of the enemies are similar to Golden Axe 1, only reskinned, i.e. the minotaurs are mostly the same as the giants, and the mounts are like the first game despite looking different. So yeah, it's a lazy sequel and disappointing it didn't do more. Golden Axe 1 is a better game for its era, but on a side-by-side comparison, it is not a better game than Golden Axe 2. Golden Axe 2 refines the combat from the first game, making it faster and slicker, gives characters new moves, makes the lackluster axe battler better, adds a hard mode, improves the AI. It's still pretty stupid, but less so than the first game. It's harder to trap at the enemy in loops, whereas in the game, even an advanced enemy like Death Adder could be easily defeated by knocking him down or repeatedly charging him as he tried to stand up. That was in parentheses. Well, it opened with a parenthesis. I haven't found the close of the parenthesis yet. Golden Axe 1 may have greater nostalgia value, but in terms of mechanics, enemies, level designs, it does nothing better than the second game, other than the Genesis added final boss. Well, it has better weapon sound effects and music, but the music of Golden Axe 2 is far from bad or even average. Castle Gates is one of the best pieces of music in any Golden Axe game. Golden Axe 2 Death Adder's Revenge shakes things up with all new characters, though unlike this game it has a character who completely outclasses all the other characters. Being an arcade game designed to suck coins out of the player, it has many more cheap attacks and instant death segments requiring either rote memorization, uh, spelled wrong, the Genesis Golden Axe 2, oh, he said uh, either rote memorization, uh, but didn't give the other. The Genesis Golden X2 is balanced for the use of set amount of continues, unlike Death Adder's Revenge, and this offers a much better experience, despite the lower level of tech and innovation making it the superior game. Golden X3 is an interesting sequel, again, more inactive than Golden X2, but much less polished. While in Golden X2, all three characters are good and provide a fast run experience, in Golden X3, one of the characters is so slow and constantly vulnerable to attacks that you'll never wish to use him. While the Panther or Sarah, a Tyrus clone, is extremely fast and has overpowered moves that the enemy can't defend against, thus making the game a joke, unless you don't abuse their best moves. Golden Axe 3 spoilers. The enemies also range from being pushovers to being obnoxiously cheap, like the four-armed demons who can counter nearly everything you can do, once again ensuring that Golden Axe 2 overall provides a better experience. Not to mention that if you beat the first form of the final boss on your last continue, you get a bad ending that renders the whole thing pointless instead of fighting his second form, which is just a lazy recolor recycling almost all of his moves. Golden Axe Beast Rider was an abomination that abandoned the Golden Axe formula and killed the franchise. 
the less said about it, the better. Graphics 8 out of 10, a clear improvement over the first game, not as good as Death Adder's Revenge or 3, but it makes decent use of the hardware and fits the atmosphere. Sound, 7 out of 10. The new bad guy cries are a step back and the weapon effects sound like you're hitting someone with pudding. The music is not as good as some of the other games, but still solid and atmospheric. Gameplay, 9 out of 10. The most fun and refined the series has ever experienced. Simple and intuitive like the first game, but faster, slicker, more responsive, and you're less likely to get trapped in your own combo unless you are careless. One of the greatest stress relief games I've ever played. The AI is still pretty stupid, but better than the first game. Last Ability, that's a new one, 6 out of 10. A little longer than the first game, but still kind of short. On the other hand, fun to go back to and hard mode adds a little to it. Overall, not as good as Streets of Rage 2, but better for relaxing. While it offers less than one might expect from a Golden Axe sequel, it still delivers the best experience and is thus the ultimate Golden Axe game. Reviewers rating, 4.5, outstanding. Posted December 16th, 2016. A fairly new review as well. Um, you know what? I don't... They all blend together for me, except in the third game where you have the giant and the panther. So, I couldn't tell you. Xylo, shed some light on this, would you? Same characters, new monsters, new stages, new enemies. New monsters and new enemies, you say? The first Golden X is considered to be a classic gem when it comes to scrolling beat-em-ups. Golden X 2 is just what you can expect a sequel to a classic game to be. The new villain is Dark Gold, who just like Death Adder, the villain from the first Golden Axe, is a, a threat to the kingdom and our three heroes must once again travel to the evil warrior's castle and defeat him in order to save their kingdom. The three heroes is the same heroes as in the first Golden Axe game. Axe Battler, the barbarian, has perhaps the longest range with his broadsword and he can use okay magic. This is the all-around character in this game. The second character is the Amazon, Tiris Flare. She is the best magic user, but also the worst melee fighter in the game. However, that doesn't mean that she's bad at it. The third character is the popular dwarf, Gilius Thunderhead. He's the best melee fighter, but the worst magic user. The only thing that have changed about the characters is that the back attack that you could do in the original has now been changed into an attack which can be used both as a front attack and a back attack. Another thing that have changed is that you can now choose how many scrolls you want to use when you cast a spell, but now you have to hold the magic button for a while before you can cast your magic. The other thing that have changed in this game is the monsters you can ride, the stages, and of course the enemies. Oh, I get it, monsters and enemies. You might notice that the enemies are more like monsters in this game than humans, which was the enemies in the first game. For example, the Berserker Woman and the Giants have now been replaced with Lizardmen and Minotaurs. However, the Headless Knights are still in this game. Except for what I have now mentioned, Golden Axe 2 is the same as the original. You walk on a stage, enemies pop ups, and you must now defeat them. Enemies pop ups? Oh no! Then you can go further and meet more enemies that you have to kill. This is still mindless fun, and personally, I think the game formula didn't need to change that much. But the annoying things the original had is still there. Some of the enemies have longer range than your hero, and it's almost impossible to defend yourself against an enemy who's attacking you from behind while you are already fighting against another enemy. The control had been slightly improved, but it's still far from perfect. Golden Axe 2 is just like the original, a great game to play with a friend. If you have to choose between the first Golden Axe and this one, then I think I would pick this. It doesn't have the charm that the first Golden Axe have, but on the other hand, it has a better magic system. Another nice feature is that it has three different difficulties, so maybe you will play this game over and over again until you have finished it on the hardest difficulty with just three life stocks. Xylo's rating, three and a half. 
uh, again, I'm sorry. I they are all the same game to me. I'm gonna trust Xylo on this one though.
If you're just as confused as to why this segment is here as I am, um, well, I mean, you you heard it, you know. It sounded like Chuck was hanging it up, but there's new news, so maybe someone else is just taking over for him. Either way, our lead story, the firearm fetish. Texas passed the pork chopper bill in 2011, allowing aerial hunting of feral hogs, and in May, legislators approved approved hunting from hot air balloons, which are quieter and give hunters a steadier shot. Somebody's going to have a green camo hot air balloon to hunt feral hogs in Texas, if they don't already. Some pre-existing conditions, well, a pre-existing condition, enterprising mother Janine Ism in Cedar Hills, Utah, took her seven-year-old son's dental care into her own hands in June when she purchased hand sanitizer and needle-nose pliers at Walmart, then ushered her son into the store's restroom and pulled out two of his teeth. Police were alerted after the boy's older brother heard him screaming. The mother was charged with felony child abuse. Hand sanitizer. Sweet, sweet revenge, folks. I may have added a sweet. It's up to you to decide which one. A frustrated victim of bedbugs in Augusta, Maine, reacted to city inaction by bringing a cup of bedbugs to a municipal office building and slamming it down on the counter, scattering about 100 insects and forcing the closure of several offices as officials scrambled to contain them. The apartment dweller had requested help finding other housing, but city officials told him he didn't qualify. Things we didn't know we needed are cute vegetables easier to swallow. Mm, A Chinese company has developed fruit and vegetable molds that form growing foods into little Buddhas, hearts, stars, and skulls. Farmers affix the plastic molds over the stem of growing plants, and the fruit fills the mold as it grows. Some designs include words, and the company also offers custom molds. You could have a strawberry that says die in a fire. Be very small. Fashion emergency, folks. French fashion label Y Project, in an apparent response to the eternal question, do these jeans make my butt look big, is selling buttless jeans. The waistband attaches to the legs of the jeans with a series of clasps and straps so the pant legs hang loose on the wearer. The detachable button-down pants are priced at $570. U.S. dollars, I am assuming. Some compelling explanations. College student Lydia Marie Cormany almost made it out of a Gillette, Wyoming, Walmart with more than $2,000 worth of merchandise without paying for it. When police arrived, she was ready with a reason. She was doing research about kleptomania, which also explained the stockpile of stolen items in her dorm room. However, as she was enrolled in only a biology class at Gillette College, it wasn't clear what she planned to do with the results of her study. Our next story, ew! Yeah. The happiest place on Earth was a little less joyful for 17 visitors in June when a hazardous materials team, that's a hazmat, was dispatched to Main Street at Disneyland after parkgoers reported being struck by feces. Experts quickly realized that rather than being victims of a bathroom bomber, the park guests had been regrettably positioned beneath a flock of geese flying overhead. The victims were ushered to a private restroom to clean up and were provided with fresh clothing. What does goose feces look like that you wouldn't... You know? I mean, I'm sure at the moment you had more important things on your mind, but... I don't know. I have seen in movies that it is very slick. 
Maintenance workers at the courthouse in Jonesboro, Arkansas are fed up with people urinating in the elevators, especially considering the restrooms are within spitting distance of the elevators. Craighead County officials hope to stem the tide with newly installed security cameras, which have caught three men in the act since their installation last fall. Number one, why would you? Number two, that's not the most private of places. Number three, I'm positive we've talked about Craighead County a couple of times. Undignified death of the week, Robert Dreyer, celebrating his 89th birthday, suffered no apparent injury when he crashed his car into a fire hydrant in Vieira, Florida in May, but as he got out of the car to check the damage, he drowned after being sucked into the hole by the strong water pressure where the hydrant had been. A bystander tried to rescue Dreyer but couldn't overcome the water pressure to reach him. That's a bummer. Frontiers of marketing, male baseball fans attending the June 15th Jacksonville, Florida Jumbo Shrimp Minor League game, they should have called it Major Shrimp, Major Shrimp Minor League, yeah, were treated to a novel promotional giveaway, pregnancy tests. The You Might Be a Father promotion was conceived to help fans decide whether they should return for the Father's Day game on Sunday, June 18th. Because that's, would again, first thing on my mind baseball, got my beer, got my hot dog, got a pregnancy test. Am I doing anything Father's Day? Hmm. People and their money. Because leaving your Falcon at home while you do errands is too painful, high-end automaker Bentley now offers a customized SUV featuring a, quote, removable transportation perch and tether for hunting birds and a wood inlay in the shape of a Falcon on the dash. At a starting price of $230,000, the Bentayga Falconry also features a refreshment case and special compartments for bird hoods and gauntlets. Falconry is regarded as the sport of kings in the Middle East, so it is vital that the kit we create appear to our valued customer there and around the world. Noted Jeff Dowding with Bentley's Mulliner Division. And a stretch limo wasn't posh enough for Saudi... Uh, Saudia Schuler, there you go, a Philadelphia mom who wanted to make her son's high school prom memorable. Instead, she spent $25,000 creating a Dubai-themed prom night, including three tons of sand and a camel for pre-prom photos. The lucky senior took not one but three dates to the dance, who, along with him, wore designer clothes and accessories. Schuler also sprang for a rented Lamborghini, Rolls-Royce, and Range Rover. That kid's going places. And living on his own is not one of them. Bright Ideas, Japan's Samurai Age store, which naturally offers novelty samurai apparel, is featuring a new line of samurai armor outfits for cats and dogs. The body armor is sized for small pets, but custom orders for larger sizes are possible and can include a helmet and mask. Samurai enthusiasts can also order armor for liquor bottles and dolls. That's, that's what you need. Suspicions were aroused in New Hope, Alabama, when veteran mail carrier Susanna Burhans, Ber Burhans, 47, was seen throwing food at a dog along her route. On June 1st, she was charged with aggravated animal cruelty after the owner found a nail-filled meatball near his house and subsequent x-ray revealed nails in his stomach. The USPS has put the mail carrier on non-duty status. 
Thailand's Scorpion Queen, who holds the Guinness World Record for holding a scorpion in her mouth, three minutes and 28 seconds, shocked onlookers in June as she let scorpions crawl all over her body and in and out of her mouth as part of a show in Pattaya, a city on the Gulf of Thailand. Kanchana Ketkawa, that's not right, Kate Ka, there we go, also holds the record for cohabiting with 5,000 scorpions in a 12 meter square glass enclosure for 33 days. Just sit still, man. Wait, what? The Zoological Wildlife Conservation Center in Rainier, Oregon is offering sleepovers in its sloth sanctuary. The visit includes a tent with a cot and satellite TV in case the animals are being too sloth-like. Visitors who pay $600 W-O-C- double occupancy for the 12-hour experience are asked to whisper as to not stress out the sloths. This is a great time. I think I saw one move. Do we have to watch TV shows about whispering? Who knows? Some great art. French performance artist Abraham... Poincheval managed to hatch nine chicken eggs in April by incubating them himself for three weeks inside a glass of vivarium at Paris's Palais de Tokyo Contemporary Art Museum. Poincheval's past projects have included sitting inside a block of stone for a week and living in a hollowed-out bear sculpture for two weeks. It's not art that's being homeless. Least competent criminal baggy blue jeans were the ill-fated getaway vehicle for a <clears throat> Excuse me. For 15 quart-sized bottles of Pennzoil motor oil and 30 DVDs of Treasure Hunt in a badly planned theft in Lakeland, Florida in June. William Jason Hall, 38, stuffed the loot into his pants inside a 7-Eleven store without realizing that a detective in an unmarked police car was outside and watching. Because it was his third arrest on petty theft, he was charged with a felony. Will there be news next week? God, I don't know, folks. Uh, this is kind of old news. Um, we're talking June. Some of this news came out, so... We'll, we'll play it by ear.
Hey, everybody. I wanted to take just a quick second to thank you all so much for listening to the show and to let you know how you can get in touch with the show. You can find us on Facebook and Twitter at Electric Leftovers on both places. You can call into the show, leave a message, 1-800-871-9012, extension 700491, or you can email me, jason at lowbiasgaming.net. Thanks very much. Appreciate you listening. Hello. Hi. We're very upset. I am very upset. You haven't said whether you're upset. Um, well, I think it's probably fairly obvious how upset I am. Because I kept trying to make sure you were awake so I wouldn't have to go through this alone. <sighs> I'm so disappointed. Are you disappointed in Ewan McGregor or the film? All. Are you disappointed in the book? Who wrote the book? Philip Roth. Hold on. We watched American... Pastoral. 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 It's pastoral. It's a musical term. That's how it was always said everywhere I always saw it. And if you're going to use this movie as a basis on how to pronounce anything, Mary. Mary. 
Mary. So it's a it's a movie based. Hey, sweet little Mary. <laughs> it's a movie based on a Philip Roth novel that won a Pulitzer Prize and is on a list of the hundred greatest books of all time. I mean, admittedly, it's from Time Magazine, so take that as you will. Yeah, all those losers at Time. Yeah, but it was. Turned into a film directed by and starring Ewan McGregor. I think his first directing job. Who I adore. Yeah, we both like Ewan McGregor. And I like Jennifer Conley. Well. And you like Dakota Fang. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, and we both like David Strayhorn. I was making that up. I didn't think. Well, anything. she's not terrible. For Indeed. a child actress, she's not terrible. We like the dad. Peter we Riker. really like the dad. And I like Uzo Adiba. For those of you who have ever seen Orange is the New Black, which I stopped after one season because I thought it was so stupid. Uh, she is Crazy Eyes from... That would be his black secretary. Yeah. Um, I'm aware. I, I'm i going to say right now, I'm giving that 0.5 stars out of 5. Like, I'm, I don't so even need to wait. I don't even wait. I give that a D minus. <laughs> well, um... IMDb gave it 6.1 out of 10. But we looked at Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, what did Rotten Tomatoes say? Rotten Tomatoes gave this movie a, I believe, a uh, 22% fresh. So, let me let me tell you something. If you are a fan of subtlety, this is not the film for you. If you... So, so you've seen Futurama. Yes. And you know Calculon. <laughs> Yes. Who's in all my circuits? Yes. The acting robot. Everybody in this movie took lessons from Calculon on their acting because every goddamn line. That was this Philip Roth's like. He went a Pulitzer. Did he take like a creative writing class? And I don't this was think his we final? can judge. It won a Pulitzer. I don't think we can judge the novel based on the movie because we have all seen. Terrible movies made on really great books. Uh, Roger Ebert gave this 1.5 out of 4 stars, which I think is exceedingly generous. Um, so, let's just set up the plot here. So the idea is, and, and let me just also defend my choice in movie, because... Well, and let me let me interrupt your choice. Yes. We both saw the trailer, and I wanted think to see at the it. same time, yeah. we were like, this doesn't look too bad. And you and McGregor's in it. Because the trailer didn't it have It had Buffalo Springfield. No, it didn't. It had that all around me or familiar faces. Oh, um Mad World. It had Mad World and it was silent except for that song, but done by like a chick. Uh that song not anywhere in the movie. No, because only like, like two songs years in the movie. Later. And one of them was Jefferson Airplane and then Buffalo Springfield. Yeah. So, which, yeah, is its own thing. So, let me defend my choice of movie in that I want to, for this podcast, kind of alternate between things I like and I have seen and things that neither of us have seen so we can react to them real time rather than just like, you know, gushing over a movie that we have seen and we love. Like, you know, we have in the past. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I wanted to see this. I really like Hugh McGregor. I'm a big fan. I wanted to see what he could do uh, directorially, which... <clears throat> um, so the 
plot of this film is this guy, the Swede. I've got it here. I can uh, read it if you'd like. Sure. I know you're seething. I am seething. As, as the movie ended, I looked over and Randy was very upset. And I've only seen her that upset one other time before, and it was with me. So I know how upset she was at this film. <laughs> so our storyline. Uh, this is written by Guy Bellinger on IMDb. Hi, Guy. Hi, Guy. Seymour Levov, going by the nickname of Swede in the Jewish community he was born into, was even more of an all-American than Douglas Fairbanks himself. He had just everything an American idol can dream of. Not only was the tall, muscular young man a high school star athlete, but he married a beauty queen named Dawn in the bargain. And, as if this were not enough, Swede later became the successful manager of the glove factory his father had founded, which allowed him to live with his wife in a beautiful house in the New Jersey countryside. Well-mannered, always bright, smiling and positive, conservative, but with a liberal edge. What bad could ever happen to him? And yet... This was reckoning without fate and its obnoxious irony. Sweet and Don's nemesis manifesting itself in the person of Mary, their beloved daughter, who in her teens unexpectedly turned into a violent activist. That was not a very well written no, synopsis. And also not accurate. But better written than the dialogue in the film. Better than the movie. Yeah. Um Thanks, guy. So essentially. Uh, this guy, All-American, captain of the football team, etc., etc. Well, and actually, let me back up, because David Strayhorn, who Jason and I both really like, yep. uh, you would know him from... Good Night and Good Luck. Good Night and Good Luck. You would know him from... That's the only one that comes to mind when I think of because uh, I love that movie so much. Oh, my God. He's been in everything, and I'm ashamed that I can't think of something else off the top of my head. He played Nathan Zuckerman. And you know what? There's, he's telling a story to um, Eight Men Out, Sneakers, The, uh, the Blacklist, The Debt. L.A. Confidential, The River Wild. Godzilla. Uh, we Are Marshall. He was in some of the Bourne movies. Lincoln. Uh, the Whistleblower. Fracture, House. Temple Grandin. Yeah. Oh, he's in A League of Their Own, which is a favorite of mine. Oh, and he plays creepy pedophile dad in Dolores Claiborne. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, that is a great movie. That is a great movie. Let's talk about that movie instead of this movie. <laughs> so it starts out with him in his Volvo or whatever going to his high school reunion and doing a voiceover, which I hate voiceovers. Like, they're almost always bad and take me out of the movie, but I like David Strayhorn's voice. Yeah. So, I mean, it wasn't terrible, except it went on for about 10 minutes too long. It was about 11 minutes And it was long. about 11 <laughs> minutes long, yeah. And he runs into our main character, the Swede, Ewan McGregor's brother, who tells him Played that, by Rupert Evans. that the Swede has died recently, like within a couple of days. Yeah. And he's in town for the funeral, and then proceeds to tell David Strayhorn the story, which is the main plot. Yeah. So, Ewan McGregor, captain of the football team, they call him the Swede because um, he's, what, tall, blonde, and good-looking? Isn't that what the idea? Yeah, except he's none of those. Well, he's good-looking. And he's blonde. He's a redhead. I don't know if he's tall. He's not tall. And he's a redhead. Because I didn't really compare him to Jennifer Connelly. They're almost the same height. Oh, okay. and she's tiny. she's tiny. She's a tiny person. 
She stood next to a cow at one point, and it looked like a fucking... Sorry. Uh, it looked like a giant Econoline van next to her. Large cow. Yeah. Anyway, so, um, they get married. She's not Jewish. She's Catholic. He's Jewish. Uh, she gives this impassioned speech at the beginning to his father about how she loves his son and they need to get married and she doesn't care if he doesn't want their child to be baptized, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, but if it's that big of a deal that the child gets baptized, they just won't have kids. They just won't have kids, yeah. Um, they are pretty successful. They run yeah. this this glove factory. They move to a farm in, what was it, Old Rimrock? Something like the name that. of the town in New Jersey. Which, okay, I used to live in Philadelphia, as you know, and now your listeners know. I lived in Philadelphia for several years. Spoiler I spent alert. a lot of time in New Jersey. I mean, in spite of it being New Jersey, like, most of the state is beautiful, just like that. Yeah. Rich white people in beautiful houses yep. in the country. It's a lovely place, actually. Just don't go to anywhere where there's a lot of people. Yeah, don't go to the coast. Don't go to Camden. Well, I mean, just, like, as a general rule. <laughs> don't go to, like, Trenton. Don't go to... Where were they? Newark. Just don't... Just don't do it. And yeah, if you go to Newark, you end up in a movie that Ewan McGregor directed, and that's it's, bad. And the, the thing I had the problem with the most is how disjointed this movie was. Because it's like, she gives this impassioned speech about how they have to get married, and then all of a sudden, it's her and this little blonde girl looking for cows in the countryside. And it's so... Like, there's no flow at all. It's, it's very... Like... I have a camera, and I know actors. I should direct a movie. Yeah, I think... And then he gets the audiobook, Directing Films for Dummies. I, I think some actors might want to direct, thinking that they can do a really good job. <laughs> yeah. Don't direct, Ewan. Just act. It's fine. Well, and to to be fair to Ewan McGregor, David Fincher's first movie is an alien movie. And it wasn't even a great Alien. And it was still seven times better than this movie. It was. But after Alien, then we got Seven and Zodiac. Fight and Club. Fight Club. Social Network. Yeah, so, I mean, this one even could be... Even the, the girl with the dragon tattoo, and that was terrible. Yeah, this could be Ewan McGregor's terrible movie. It could. And considering how poorly it's done, they'll probably never let him do it again. Um, so, then all of a sudden, it's them with this little blonde girl. Yeah. And... She has a stutter. Because which, as as the actresses that played her got older, the stutter got better. Because when it's a little little kid, it's just like, okay, we want you to say your line like this, this, this. Like we just show you old quirky pie cartoon. The cow is large. Yeah, yeah. By the time we got to Dakota Fanning, it was like marginally better, although still obnoxious. Um, That's just Dakota Manning. Yeah. So. Shh. Sorry, Dakota. Fireworks? Yeah. Probably. Oh, Jesus. Okay. That's so, um, then the little girl is a little more girl. Oh, and there's like this weird Lolita moment, which was icky. Yeah. Icky. Like, it was weird. It and had, had no bearing on anything. It had nothing to do with anything. Before or after. Yeah, he, yeah, and I don't even want to talk about it. So then she's like a teenager, and for a second you think she's normal because she's like cooking hamburgers. She's a very old teenager. Yeah, and then all of a sudden she's like, 
She's swearing at Lyndon Johnson while making hamburgers. For a second, I thought this was like we've been duped and this was really like an exorcism movie. Because <laughs> she went from like, yeah, daddy, I like the cooking hamburgers for you to like, you know, fucking Lyndon Baines Johnson, baby killer pig fascist. You're just like, who are you? You have, you have some issues. And she's like spitting hamburger at her mother. Yeah. I mean, it was it was just so like sudden, and then what? There are riots in Newark. Race riots were a thing in the '60s. Yep. So there are these race riots in Newark, and she's super salty about these race riots, even though her dad and his one employee are like doing their best to kind of protect their employees who are predominantly African American. Yeah. And live in the community and. This girl that was so aggravating to me in this movie, like, your one, your dad is Jewish. You don't come from a lot of privilege. I mean, you come from the privilege of being white and middle class in America, but like, you're not a Rothschild. No. Don't act like your parents haven't worked hard to get where they are. And, and that's another plot point is that her mother, Jennifer Connelly, who I didn't know until we watched this movie that Jason kind of has a thing for. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> uh, Sarah, friend. Yeah. <laughs> is uh, was Miss New Jersey and I guess competed in Miss America. And that's like a plot point is how pretty she is, which I mean, don't get me wrong. Jennifer Connelly. She's very classically beautiful. Yeah, she's an attractive lady. Yeah, I mean, I don't really see the appeal, but I have seen Requiem for a Dream, and I think that may have the bloom was off the rose after I watched that movie. Yeah, that was not a high point. <laughs> but then House of Sand and Fog. That's true, that's true. So, she's just insane. The daughter is insane. Yeah. She's hateful. She's nasty, but just like all of a sudden. And she's still got the stutter real bad, and they have a crazy therapist who I hated from the beginning. Yeah. She's usually good in other things. She actually is in Deadwood. Um, I don't know her name. I'm looking it up right now. She, if, if any of you have seen... Julia Silverman? No. No. That's someone else. If any of Molly you have, Parker. Yes. If any of you have seen Deadwood, she was the widow uh, in Deadwood. If, if you see her face, you'd be like, oh yeah. That lady, yeah. Uh, Wicker Man kissed the road. Uh, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, Deadwood, as you said. Uh, the Firm, I Dexter. I think she's Boardwalk Empire, Hollywood Land. I think she might be the Good Shepherd. Six Feet Under, looking she for Leonard. No. No? No. I mean, she Oh, she's might. Canadian. Yeah. So kind of British. It's like a subspecies of British. Anyway, so they still have the queen on their money. They're kind of British. It's it's the uh, soft lower lip version of Yes. <laughs> so their daughter has just gone insane, and they live in Newark, which is like a 30-minute train ride to New York City. So they're letting their 16-year-old daughter take the train into Manhattan and hang out with people they don't know. And they never said why. And they never said why. And they never... And then all of a sudden it's like she's five and then she's 16. And they're like, well, daughter, Mary, you need to make some friends. Like, there's no well, transition we, we at all. talked about the, the therapist. And they were seeing the therapist for her stutter. Yeah. 
And the therapist is like, well, she only stutters because you're really successful and her mom's really pretty. Yeah, which was which was kind of, I think, the point where I knew I was going to be really angry at this movie. Yeah. Because that doesn't, unless the whole plot point is that your therapist is a crazy person who doesn't know what they're talking about, don't put that in the movie. Yeah. Because their therapist was crazy and didn't know what she was talking about. And Ewan McGregor, whoo. He had the best <laughs> intentions, but he was a little obsessive. He was a lot obsessive. And he also needed to, from the get-go, start telling people to knock it the hell off in in this movie. At one point, he does, I think, say to the therapist, no, she, there's a physiological reason that she stutters. Yeah. And the lady's like, well, if that's what you want to do, but like, I'm telling you, I'm a trained professional, and it's because... You guys are perfectionists, and her mom's beauty queen. And it was so, like... Yeah, it's your fault. Like, my main criticism of Ewan McGregor in this movie is that he didn't punch more bitches in the face. Which, Jason can attest, I kept saying, yelling at the screen, PUNCH HER IN THE FACE! Watch that light. Why? What happens with the light? If it flashes, you have. Oh, sorry. It's alright. We're we're trying a new audio setup. Maybe you've noticed. We're always trying a new audio setup. (laughs) So, Live from the living room. So then what happens? So the daughter goes and then keeps going to New York and shows up late one day. And he's like, you were supposed to be on this train. And if we can't trust you to come home, we're not going to let you go anymore. And they're having this argument in front of the train station. And a cop shows up and he's like, there's a curfew, guys. You need to get home. It's protection. The daughter tells off the cop. And Ewan McGregor's like, hey, she's 16. I mean... What give, are you going to do? Give her a break. And then yeah. They're driving home, and there's a small group of black people not obeying the curfew. What? You know, whatever. I don't... Curfews are weird. I've never had to experience a curfew in my life, so I don't know what they're all about. Right. Pardon me a moment. Uh, if this sounds weird, I apologize. Um, and the daughter rolls down the window while they're stopped at a red light sticks her head and arm out the window and starts yelling black power, black power, black power and for those of you who have ever seen a little movie called Chasing Amy all I could think of was the one guy at the comic book convention screaming black rage just an FYI only a few of you will get that reference if any Probably. Um, and just from there the whole thing just kind of degrades, the race riots get worse And and Ewan McGregor gets an award. Yeah, because he is actually trying to keep things better. He's trying to make sure all of his workers are safe and that they're taken care of. And if things are real bad, he's trying to send them home. And he doesn't want anybody getting hurt. Nice guy that he is. Yeah. So they have this little tiny ceremony in the mayor's office, which we don't see. No. By the way, we just see him... We don't him, even get warning that it's happened. We just see him come home with his bow tie undone and a plaque. And uh, Mary... Mary. Mary, uh, which is spelled M-E-R-R-Y. Is it really? According to this. Well, that could be why he says it that way now. Um, listening to Jefferson Airplane. Ugh. Or something. I know, I think it was. And she's just like, oh, you won an award. whoop de doo yeah, there are little kids dying in Vietnam. And, you know, at one point, you just want to... Like, I wanted him to say, well, there are six fewer little kids who died 
in Newark. Right. Because of what we did. Right. But he basically says, look, if you wanna if you wanna get involved, you wanna be active, you wanna protest something, you don't have to go to New York. He's trying to keep her away from all the the people that he thinks are influencing her. Right. And he says, just protest here, even if You bring it home here. Yeah. Because, isn't that what they say? Bring the war home? Yeah. And uh, so she decides that's a great idea and blows up a post office. With a postman in it. Yep. You pipe bomb, kills a guy. And then the rest of the movie is Ewan McGregor being really obsessive about trying to find her and find the people who turned her crazy. And uh, pretty much that. Yeah. Until the last 15 minutes of the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, at first they can't really believe that she's involved, but she's also missing. So yeah. she goes missing exactly when this all happens. And so they can't believe that she would have anything to do with it. And and then it's kind of the deterioration of his wife, who I hated. Hated Jennifer Connelly in this movie. I mean, not like she did a bad job. I mean, I didn't think the acting was terrible. It was just they, they had no material to work with. The acting was pretty bad. I, but it wasn't... I don't it, think it was because they're not skilled actors. I yeah. think it was because they had shit material. The, the cast was not bad. The direction wasn't great. And, yeah, the script was... Yeah. If this was pulled directly from the book, it is the worst book to ever win a Pulitzer. Yeah. So... Because it was just so... I mean, he's yelling at the girl with the curly hair about cliches. So The whole, every line everybody said in the movie All of a a sudden, there's a chick who shows up at the glove factory and is writing her thesis Her thesis on the leather glove industry. Of Newark. And he's like, oh, well your hand looks to be a size four and that's the smallest hand that we make for women, and I'm going to have a pair of gloves made for you. And yeah, let's show you about the glove-making process by me measuring your hand. We'll go away, and someone else will make your gloves, and you won't see any of it. Yeah, and then his assistant comes in, and is like, here's your gloves, and she leaves, and then the girl's like, Mary wants her Audrey Hepburn book back. And so thus leads him down this rabbit hole of this chick basically, like, calling him to a parking lot to insult him for being bourgeois and he keeps and that was like the part where I was totally with him because he's like oh your family like what does she say like how are your glove factory maker people in Puerto Rico and he's like what are you talking about I don't even own a factory in Puerto Rico well how much do you pay your people and he's like you saw my people. They're all paid really well, and they all work there forever because yeah. I treat them so they, well. They hate it so much. They've been here for 40 years. Yeah, and, like, this lady's just, like, spouting all this crap to him like he's this awful person. And he's not. He's just a normal middle-class dude making a living for his family. Maybe possibly marginally more difficult because he lives in a really right-wing part of New Jersey, and he's Jewish. Yep. And, and this lady, and then, so his wife is also kind of going nuts at the same time. Yeah. And the FBI is tapping their phones and it's been like a year and, and they quote this figure about how there were like 4,000 something bombings 
in like a couple of years span of time during like the late 60s, which I think is actually true. Yeah, it seemed like a legit news Because there were, I mean, I know the Weather Underground was bombing things. There were the move bombings. Like there was a lot of stuff going on at that time. So he is like still obsessively like looking for his daughter and then his wife's kind of going nuts and he meets with this chick and then he a second time meets with this chick and that was like the most infuriating part yeah she leaves one of the gloves that she got from the thesis field trip yeah in their barn with a note on it it says come to this hotel room Bring $10,000. Yeah, he brings $10,000. In small bills. And she basically says, well, once you have sex with me, I'll tell you where your daughter is. And he, she does a bunch of really lewd things. Yeah. And he is... He just stands there for about... That scene goes on for about seven minutes. He's not a... Like, that's the thing. He's not a bad guy. No, he doesn't and do so anything And so he doesn't wrong. want to have sex with this 22-year-old girl. He wants to find his daughter. And... I mean, yeah, maybe faced with what he was faced with, it would maybe make even the nicest and kindest of men take pause. Yeah, you can tell that he's like, do I do it? Do he's I not do it? He's having double brain because he's yeah. like, he's like, ooh, lady bits. But he's also like, no, 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 that's not what I should be focusing on. Like, my primitive brain is focused on lady parts. Yeah. But then, and it's really lewd, like unnecessarily lewd. Yeah. And then he runs out. And then runs back, and she's like, gone with the money. Yeah, he for, he leaves. He takes off. He forgets the money. So then he's run down like five flights of stairs. Yeah. So he runs back up five flights of stairs. The money's gone. She's gone. And he, then he runs out into traffic and sees her in a green VW micro van, yep. micro bus, and. I, for a second, when the cars pulled up behind her, I thought it was the FBI, and I was really excited. Yeah, I thought but it was not. She was gonna get caught. Something interesting would happen. But yeah, so she takes off. He doesn't catch her. The FBI comes and checks out the room and, and basically the... says, "You've done everything you shouldn't do. Stop doing things. Yeah, you're doing everything is, wrong. You are making our job harder." And. After that, Jennifer Conley goes nuts and starts oh, dancing naked in the glove factory. She, and she's awful. She goes, she's a mental breakdown. And she basically tells her husband, who has loved her and been loyal to her and been a good husband, a good man, a good father, basically like, I was a beauty queen. Like, she says the worst thing imaginable. Like, I was a beauty queen, and I just wanted to be, like, by myself and a beauty queen, and you ruined my life. Yeah, all of this is your fault because you wouldn't leave me alone because I was pretty. Yeah. All I wanted to do was teach music. Which is really unfortunate. I don't know. I don't know. I might have issue with that in general. Like, do we have to boil down the female characters like that? Or was that, like, in the book, was it a better plot device? No. Anyway, so yeah, she's evil, and then she gets obsessed with this idea of, like, getting a facelift, and so they just put better lighting on Jennifer Connelly for the rest of the nicer. movie. Yeah, because she starts out makeup, and then no makeup, and then makeup again. Yeah, and, and I mean, Jennifer Connelly, like I said, she's, she's stunning, she's very classically attractive, so they make it look like she's had this facelift, and then she's screwing the neighbor. Yep. And uh, we called it immediately. An architect slash abstract art painter. Yes. Who, slash Jackson Pollock fanboy. And 
that the best part of the movie was the dad just like so uh what the hell is this well, I don't understand it, but I gotta give it to a man who wears that shirt with those pants. Which was like a that seventies orange, like tangerine, double breasted, double breasted shirt tucked into high waisted bell bottom black and white checkered pants. And the best part, I mean, the delivery was great, and but they did it too long. Because they held on the shot of everybody being really uncomfortable for about a minute. That was you and McGregor going, no, it's artsy. <laughs> no, I saw this on the Family Guy, guys. It's great. People yeah. love uncomfortable silences. So they leave the art gallery. And again, it's super obvious that she's, you know, doing the architect, the neighbor. And then he spots the the girl from the The curly-haired the psycho with the money and the lewdness. And he, like... Follows her and manhandler, which was my favorite part of the movie, because I literally kept yelling. Sorry, I literally kept yelling to Jason that he needed to punch her in the face because I thought it would be the easiest way for him to get what he needed. Yeah, and she needed a good punching in the face. And I don't advocate violence, except sometimes people need to get. I don't even think he was violent in Kataka. (laughs) <laughs> he was marginally violent in Star Wars, but only when provoked into violence. Yeah. So um, he basically like grabs her and says, "You need to take me to my daughter." And she says some weird things like, "I don't even want to go see her." And she's like, "She's like, well, you know, I'll take you to her, but I'm yeah. not going to go in." Yeah, I don't want to deal with her anymore. I and, can't take it. Anymore. Yeah, and he. He gets dropped off by her at gunpoint. At gunpoint in the slums of Newark, and he finds Mary. She comes out. She's dressed up like a Batman villain. Yeah, she's dressed up like Bane. I actually got a like a ratty piece of T-shirt over her mouth. I actually had to like sit up and be like, "What is wrong with her face?" Because for a minute, I thought maybe it was a fake out, and they just got some blonde girl. Yeah. And they were just messing with you and McGregor. Like she was like all scarred up on the yeah. cheeks. From yeah, that's life. what I thought. Like, did she lose an eye in a bombing or what? And yeah. so she explains to you and McGregor that she has become a Jane nun. Yep. For those of you who don't know what Jane, J-A-I-N is, it's a super crazy subsect of like Hinduism where these women... They don't eat anything. They're like hardcore vegans. They will actually sweep in front of them as they walk with like a straw broom to sweep away insects so they won't crush insects. They wear a mask so they They, don't harm anything in the air when they breathe. Yeah. They don't bathe so they don't harm anything in the water. Yeah, they're pretty, I mean, it's pretty crazy. It's it's the opposite extreme of where she was an hour before in the movie. Yeah. And they don't explain, like, so he, and it's just like, and he says it, and they never explore it, but he says, like, oh, so you're doing penance for what you've done. Yeah. And they never, and she's like, yeah, whatever, you have to think. And he, and oh, and she stopped stuttering all of a sudden, too. Yeah, stutter went away. (laughs) And that bothered me, because that was exactly, it was like, obviously that's what she was doing, is doing penance. But, like, you and McGregor had to, like, put it in the dialogue so people would pick it up. Yeah, like I said, if you're into subtlety, this is not the film for you. So handed. This is a very, look over here, 
Yeah. Let's let's show and tell. Yeah, we're gonna have David Straker and explain the story to you. So he goes home. He doesn't tell his wife. Um, he never asks her about the bombing. He doesn't tell his wife. He tells his brother, I who's think, a, who's a doctor, who's now. a doctor and a jerk to the nurses. By the way, uh, he he tells his brother he can't say anything. And then one day he's like at home with his parents and the architect, abstract painter, neighbor, and his wife. And he tries to tell his wife that he's found his daughter. And his wife basically is like, I don't care. I'm not interested. I'm moving on. You have to give up on her. Like, I'm not interested in seeing her. Yeah, if she wanted us, she would come to us, is what she says. And he kind of accepts that. And then he sees them getting frisky in the kitchen. And for whatever reason, that kind of spurs him on to grab a bunch of her stuff and go back to see her. Yeah. And the, they have this final conversation where she admits to two other bombings, killing three other people, yeah. including the, our original postman. So three bombings total, four people dead. That she doesn't want to have anything to do with him, that she doesn't want to talk to him again, see him again. And that he just wants... Oh, and then that she kind of <coughs> tells him what happened since she's been on the run. So it's been a couple years. That was the first meeting. Oh, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So she hid out at the therapist's house for a day or two. Ugh. And the therapist said, go hang out with these people in Chicago. They'll take care of you. And they raped her and held her captive for however long. Raped her the first night she was there, and held then, her captive. And, and then, then kept raping her. To rape her. She was supposed to go to Oregon, probably never made it to Oregon. Yeah. Probably went straight back to Newark. Well, and he asked her, like, how did you get here? And she's like, I just got a ride. Like, it was just random that I ended yeah. up back here. Total coincidence. Yeah. And the chick that supposedly was being set. The leather glove thesis. Yeah, she like, knew her, but like didn't know her, know her. Yeah, so Mary's like, I never sent anybody. Yeah, like because he's under the impression this whole time that this girl's like taking care of her and like with her. And you know, we never that's never addressed. No. You know what I mean? It's like So he goes And, to... and we never know at that point either if Mary's made up that she doesn't know the girl? Is Mary still like just... Well he says, are you guys just playing games with me? And she starts reciting Jane like religious texts to him which is so weird and just random. So we never, we don't know. I mean, maybe she did send yeah. the leather glove thesis. I but... do like when he confronts the therapist because yeah. he gets kind of rough with her too. And is like, I don't know what the F you're doing or what you were thinking. And she's like, well, it's not my fault. And he's like, it absolutely is because we could have helped her and she's been raped. And that's the thing that like really bothers him. Like not the fact that she's killed four people, but the fact that she's been raped is like the end of his effing yeah. world. And the, the therapist can't, she just refuses to believe that anything bad happened. And, and Mary, like, I mean, when you see her, she's just, she looks like, she looks like what's her name Anne Hathaway from Les Mis like yeah, she's got open sores she's missing teeth yeah she's real real rough looking because she's not bathing or eating or anything yeah. living in squalor 
And he, when he, when they meet their, have their final meeting, he takes the mask off of her because for a minute he's not even really sure that it's her and it is. And then she's like, now that you've seen me, I need you to leave. And that's the last time that he sees her. But then it shows him. Turning into Dana Carvey. Yeah, standing outside. It's like an age progression of him standing outside this abandoned building looking for her. And she's not there. And then he's dead. And then he's dead. And then David Strayhorn is leaving the reunion, the high school reunion. And he's like, oh, hey, can I come to the funeral tomorrow? And we're at the funeral, and everybody's there. And I said to Jason, I have a big beer stein that I was using to drink Diet Coke out of. And I said, if the daughter shows up at the funeral, I'm throwing that beer stein through the TV. And he took it away from me, because what happens at the very end? Dakota Fanning shows up at the funeral. Well, we don't know. We do know. Because we never see her face. We know. Yeah, because everybody looks at her like, oh my god. Yeah. Call the police. And she walks up to the the coffin, and then instead of doing a quick cut, which you're right, they should have done, they did a slow cut. They did a little nice fade to black, but it should have just been a quick snap cut. So aggravating. It could have been such a good movie. It could have been. And it was just terrible. 22% on on Rotten Tomatoes is seems generous. And that's really disappointing, because I do really like Ewan McGregor, both personally and as an actor. Yeah. And I just find it just really a, a disappointment. We never find out what happens with the wife and the architect. We never find out what happens to the therapist. Because the wife is at the funeral. We don't see the architect. Mm-hmm. There's another woman sitting with the family, the immediate family. We don't know who that is. I thought that was the brother's wife. I don't think so. Because uh, the brother's wife wouldn't be up there. Yeah. The brother would be up there. It's, yeah, we don't know what happens to the therapist. We don't know. I mean, obviously we don't know because she should still be wanted by the FBI. Should be. Because murder has no statute of limitations and that's a terrorist act to blow up the post office. Yep. Um, I mean, there are people that are still in hiding to this day for crimes committed of this nature in the 60s. Yep. Uh, there's actually a really good documentary called The Weather Underground about some people that blew up. Actually... That bombing they talked about in the movie that happened at the at Congress. Yeah. The that was weather underground. The, the Senate. The, yeah. The yeah. It actually I think, killed the janitor, and that was the weather underground. Um. Yeah, it was very. This movie was very frustrating. So, if you you didn't do this one with me, um, one of the first movies I watched was Planet of the Apes, and I said. This was as bad as Planet of the Apes, but Planet of the Apes had monkeys, which made it better. This one had cows. This one had, like, two cows. It was... Yeah. I, I'm i sorry. I had to take a break during Planet of the Apes about halfway through. We kept finding any excuse yeah, possible like, oh, to pause this movie. I've got to go to the kitchen. I need to go get a drink of water. I need to not be in the living room yeah. for five minutes. I yeah. need to go outside. I need to... <sighs> it was rough. This is avoid this one unless unless you're the kind of person who likes show and to tell. Yeah, I mean, unless you're a masochist. Scarlet, show and tell. You would love this film. I don't. I don't. I know. You might. I don't. I mean, there's there's a gun in it, and, and there's, there's an explosion. explosion. Yeah, right up your alley. Yeah. 
And there's some lewdness. Jennifer Conley side boob. Yeah. That's, and, that's and, more for me. And clavicle. Because somebody yeah. needs to feed that girl some fried chicken. She needs a, she needs a meal. Yeah, or 12. Yeah. Um, uh, so you gave it what again? 0.5? What did I give it? 0.5 or did I one say 1.5? Oh, 1, one out, out of 10. Because we're on a 1 to 10 kay. scale. 1 out of 10. I'm going to be a little nicer. I'm going to give it a 4. Ser- well, okay. That's- but but I'm I'm looking at the movie as a whole. Some of the the cinematography is very good. Yeah. Some of the camera work is very good. Yeah. Like it was mostly nice, easy pan, steady cam kind of stuff. Right. But then when like it got like I'm chasing the lady down the street or the cars are coming, then it got a little shaky cam, which was kind of. I mean, this is not. The styling it, is good. It the- feels very much. So we watched Zodiac the other day. Zodiac takes place in the 70s, and it feels like a movie that would have been made in the 70s. Yeah. This takes place a little earlier, kind of, it ends where Zodiac would be picking yes. up. Yes. But it doesn't feel like that. It never feels like a movie that takes place in the 60s. No. It feels very much like this is the first movie I have made. Yes. It's it's someone who's worked in movies before who's finally getting to make a movie. Yes. It's very textbook. One is is very harsh. I would say now that my anger has subsided, I would give it a three out of a ten. Yeah. Uh, the soundtrack was good. Both songs I liked. Um, we liked the dad. We liked David. He was good. We liked Ewan. <laughs> Uh, we like the people in the movie. Yeah, we would Ewan like them McGregor. more in other movies. I love you and McGregor. I mean, I even watched his TV show where it's just him and his friend on motorcycles. Like, I like you and McGregor very, very much. Yeah. He's he's a humanitarian. He does a lot of work with UNICEF. Like, I just don't apparently want him to direct movies. I if he directs another one, I'd probably watch it. But if that one's bad. I'm sorry, you and McGregor. You get two chances, and now you just have to act. You're gonna be in Big Fish, and you will never have done anything She's else for the rest of my life. She's also on Thin Ice for making Train Spotting too. Can't make money to make this movie. Ewan McGregor does not need money. Yes. No, he's got plenty of money. From what? Star Wars. Everything. No, he's been in a ton of movies. All that Moulin Rouge money. No, yeah, he's a working actor. He makes plenty of he's, money. He just needed a paycheck for a month. No, I don't think that's true. I think so. He had to do something so he could afford to go ride around on motorcycles with his friend. Yeah, he's spending a lot of money riding around in motorcycles in Scotland. He had to buy motorcycles. Yeah. It's a different motorcycle every day. No, it's not. Yep. It's like, I don't know how to put gas in, I'll just buy a new one. Yeah. No, he, I don't think that, I don't think that that's what it is, but it's just, it's just disappointing. It is. He's just winning. And don't, and Lionsgate, don't do me dirty, Lionsgate. Or, uh... Lakeshore. Lakeshore. Lakeshore is doing some good stuff. Yeah. Lakeshore has done some pretty terrible stuff. All right. So what's our next? Our next movie. I'm, I might have changed my mind. Okay. I'm tired of doing this with you. Just pick one. Can I pick four? No. But that's a thing. I saw on a pick four and, <laughs> and win. Pick one. Uh, we're going to watch one of my favorite movies. I'm a terrible whistler. <laughs> yeah. I don't. Is it the good, the bad, and the ugly? No. Oh. Is that what that was? Yeah, I can't do oh. the beginning bit. Can you? 
Yes. Let's hear it. No. Oh, well then, I don't believe that you can do it. I'll show you later. No, do it on, on tape. No, I'll show you later. Record it for posterity. I'll show you later. Chicken. Do you want to hear my movie or not? Sure. Yeah, okay, it's a Ewan McGregor movie. Is it really? It's called American Pastoral. No! And it's pastoral. Pastoral. Uh, we're going to watch uh, Easy Rider. No, not Easy Rider. <laughs> we're going to watch one of my favorite movies. It's going to be a really good palate cleanser after this piece of garbage. It's got Bill Murray in it. It's got Willem Dafoe in it. Sonny. Angelica Houston's in it. Oh! Jeff Goldblum's yay! in it. Yay! We're going to watch uh, We're going to watch The Life of Park. Yay! You like to take risks. This is what you get when you take risks. Yes, that's fine. So I'm going to pick something a little safe. Like you've been doing this whole time. No. Was M safe? Yes. Was Ran safe? Yes. No. Yeah, Kurosawa film. You cried at the end of Ran when that one guy died. You went, no, and you grabbed my arm. No, I did not cry. You did. And then, anyway, we're going to watch The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. It's a fantastic film. Thank God for Sue Hoke and some David Bowie in Portuguese. Made by um, Quentin Tarantino. No. Yeah, there's a gun battle. Has to be. It's uh, back it's a, when Wes Anderson made movies that I could watch. It's a Wes Anderson film. Uh, before Darjeeling Limited? Oh, right, yeah. Right before? Because uh, there's Tenenbaums. Because pre Tenenbaums, I don't care. No, Tenenbaums. Life Aquatic. Life Aquatic, Fantastic Mr. Fox, and then Darjeeling. That one. Which I have them. not seen. We gotta see Fantastic Mr. Fox. Yeah. And then Darjeeling Limited was Drac. And then he made Moonrise Kingdom, which I really loved. Grand Budapest is in there. Uh, that's after. That's after Moonrise? Yes. No way. Yes, Grand Budapest is the last one. Huh. Moonrise Kingdom was before that. Really liked Moonrise Kingdom. Really, really did not like it. In fact, the second time I watched Grand Budapest, I realized I disliked it even more than the first. Oh, see, I liked Grand there are parts of it, and I liked Darjeeling Limited. There are parts of it. I don't know. I guess I just want him to go back to making the Royal Tenant. <laughs> I know. Well, that's know. almost what Darjeeling Limited was. No. Dysfunctional family. The Darjeeling Limited was terrible. No, it wasn't that bad. It was so bad. It wasn't that bad. It was so terrible. So we're gonna watch Life Aquatic. You should too. You should too. And then... And don't watch American Pastoral. I'm going to get to pick the week after because no. you you ruined it. That's not how this works. It's my show. Uh, not anymore, it's not. Yeah? Is your name on it? Yes. Are you partially responsible for all the content? Yes. I don't believe that's true. I believe it is true. Well, I'm just going to pre-record like eight of these. You should. I'm going to watch a bunch of movies. Only thing that makes this interesting. Okay, yeah. bye guys. See you folks. Bye. Sorry for the, any audio. It's a new thing. Uh huh.
Well, folks, that's the show for the week. Uh, hope you enjoyed. Um, I forgot to mention in the beginning of the show, we were going to uh, do a roll film for this movie. But if you didn't get it, avoid it. Okay, it's really bad. Watch something else. If you want, if you got a Ewan McGregor fix, uh, Big Fish, much better and equally as believable. Um, thanks for listening. Uh, I thank you. Randy thanks you. We hope you will watch uh, Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Um, check out the games. Check out the soundtracks. Check out the Mystery Science Theater. All of that stuff. Lowbicegaming.net. You can find Electric Leftovers. Twitter. Facebook. You know, around. Uh, be good. We'll see you later. Get back to work. You can't hear shit but the whistling above all the people. Uh, an undead beetle, a head transplant, and a junkie. Whoa. Come friendly bombs and rhino keen, and anyone that's ever been like featured in the anime, and that includes me. See the World Bank don't do shit for free. So read that drop tree, they see thee, and the all they, and they own thee. So they got all your water, mate. Yeah, they decide you got a You can't send piss into wine. You can't rub pennies in a wound and expect it to be fine. There are no diamonds in the mines. So on the top of the pot, singing thanks for all the aids And the bums and the nuns and the guns and the bombs on the trains Thanks for all the aids And the floods and the bloods and the drugs and the banning all the rights Thanks for all the aids And the Asian flu and for you and for making us slaves Thanks for all the aids I'll pray for me Methodist cause I fear the rapture Coming at you like Cleopatra Oh, you can never catch her The Donovan stature I'm evil on the mic like Margaret Thatcher Luke made you look Bombs like a new come truer than the gospel According to my mate Luke As I see That this guy God wants to kill you if you're queer Or if you're a Jew or you're an Arab A minor in a hole Or if you are a dog because you haven't got a soul Or if you are a dead baby You should count your stones and see how lucky you are So if your kids are unwetter than you are Twelve times worse than the worst crack hurt I can say this cause I'm sure You ain't shit, we've been advised to quit But we ain't taking a piss when we say Thanks for all the AIDS And the bombs and the guns and the nuns and the bombs on the trains Thanks for all the AIDS And the lies and the wives of the guys who be dying in spades Thanks for all the AIDS And the crap TV and for me and for bringing on the plague Thanks for all the AIDS One more fucking time Thanks for all the aids. And the Asian flu, and for you, and for making us slaves. <laughs>